Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into the bank. It's August 30th. I've lost my voice. And uh, the Ravens have made their uh, cuts, getting down to the 53-man roster. Uh, the preseason's done, and we're counting down to September 11th and the uh, kickoff of this 22 season. Here to talk about it, my colleagues, Jamie Seek and Mike Fast. Uh, let's start with the running backs. The Ravens, uh, it looks like they have finalized the deal with Kenyon Drake. Uh, and... Uh, correspondingly, earlier in the day, we saw that uh, Tyler Batty had been uh, uh, cut. So your thoughts there on the running backs, Jamie? Um, uh, definitely surprised about Beatty. I thought they were uh, – I mean, I know I was really high on him. I'm hoping that this is the, one of those moves with the uh, hope that he's going to end up back on the practice squad because I definitely think he has potential. But there was probably some things like, you know, blitz pickup and – if you're a sixth rounder and probably on the, you know, the back side of the running back room, maybe he wasn't, you know, where he needed to be on special teams, but either way, a little bit disappointing, especially considering the injury situation, but obviously the coaching staff sees more than we do. Um, and then with the uh, official signing of Kenyon Drake, I mean, it wasn't somebody that was really on my radar, but uh, just looked into his numbers and it's like, he's, you know, solid looks he's averaged four and a half yards per carry for his career he looks to have a uh, uh be a decent receiver out of the backfield um i think this sends a signal that dobbins there maybe he's going to be a little bit slow out of the gate not going to be able to handle quite the workload that we anticipate so i think we might see a little more drake early in the season until uh Dobbins is up to speed. And then, of course, you know, if and when Gus Edwards gets back, you know, somebody in the running back room is going to be vulnerable. And uh, I was surprised to see Justice Hill make the team because uh, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I know they love his work on special teams. And given that we lost some key contributors on special teams to, you know, free agency, it makes sense, I guess, from that perspective. So we'll uh, we'll see where we are. But I think we're better off than we were with the 2015 Pro Bowl crew we had last year. So, uh, Mike, I think Jamie nailed a lot of it. Um, it. You have Drake with a basically near thousand yard season two years ago. Uh, had success as a receiver out of the backfield. Been in a similar type of offense recently, and you'd figure with his Alabama background and his years as a pro, he probably is uh, proficient uh, enough. Uh, a blocker out of the backfield, uh, able to pick up that blitz pickup that uh, maybe Beatty isn't a, a, as a rookie. But while we key on more of the, the larger point there, if, like if we feel the need to add veteran, uh, where what do we feel about uh, where we are with uh, Dobbins heading here into the opener? It sounds like, kind of echo what Jamie said, I, I feel like he's not ready – well, I'll say I'll say this. He, there's more of a doubt now that he's ready for the first week than I had last week. Now, this could just be a situation where 
if it was a playoff game or like a, a really big game to to maybe clinch playoff berth, Dobbins would be good to go. So this could very well be a case where they sign Drake, play him for a week, and then release him. You know, I don't know, but overall, I just think that Dobbins is still the lead back. I think he still will have a really good year. Um, I wonder how much of this decision uh, is an abundance of caution, given what we saw from almost every position last year. In other words, I don't know, maybe this is really a kind of a, a sign that, hmm, I don't know if Dobbins is, if they think Dobbins is slow, maybe they just said, oh, well, the thing with Gus happened, they put him on the pup list. So, you know, I mean, he's going to be back, but it's just bringing up kind of those old wounds. So, um, well, I think or, it's a good, I think it's a good yeah. point, Mike, just the idea of, hey, it is a year with expectations. We can get to your article uh, later, but it is a year of expectations again, right? And uh, so maybe maybe we just want that additional uh, vet uh, uh, that's that's available there, uh, and we're, we're all in for this year. And Dobbins, I think the finger think we're all going to watch is just how many touches does he get early? Is it a matter of him kind of working in the first few weeks of uh, you know, building up the reps or how much they want to see and how much they want to turn him loose? But um, – uh, interesting move there. So let's uh, move on to the rest of the uh, uh, cuts overall. Um, what really stands out to you, Mike, kind of uh, of the other names that, that got waived today? Well, if I read it correctly, it looks like Stephen Means is no longer with the team. Uh, Dalen Hayes got put on the waived uh, injured list, I believe. So um, – I didn't know if those two guys were going to be on the active roster. It seemed like they had at least a 50-50 shot. They, and it means was playing really well as of late. In a particular position where you really don't have many guys. You know, Tyus Bowser is still recovering. And like we said last week, Adafioe is good, but he's just one person. You're waiting on a job. So that is concerning to me. Now, obviously, this, you know, like Jamie alluded to earlier with another position, this is not the final step by any means, but um, it was a bit surprising to see Means go. And then um, the other player that I, I'm not surprised that he was released, but um, I kind of just have a little soft spot for him. It's our Darius Washington because I think he gave his all and he really made some big plays, but um, he's just kind of in the wrong team, meaning that he plays the wrong position on the wrong team. There's such a deep position here. I, he was, you know, he could keep having days like this for a year, and I don't know if it would make a difference in Baltimore. So hopefully he gets picked up with another squad because I think he can play. Jamie, how about for you, uh, what stands out? Um, I, was, uh, I was surprised to see Isaiah Mack uh, get cut because of yep. the, you know, we still have some questions on the interior, but on the other, and he showed well in the preseason. Again, you always take that with a grain of salt, but he, he, he was able to make some plays. But perhaps that speaks to Travis Jones's injury is he's maybe closer to returning. He's more closer to that three week than the five week end of it because he's going to be playing the interior. So maybe the team felt they didn't need to carry that additional guy with having 
Pierce and Matabike on the roster, and you know they can move some guys around. Um, and then uh, as far as the, the the vested veterans that were released, it looks kind of it looks kind of bad on paper. It's like oh they go back and they they get Brett Urban back, and you know and as Mike you said about Stephen Means, you know and, and he played well, and I, I mentioned him in the little piece I wrote that I, I was uh, impressed with him in the preseason, particularly at a position of need, but. There's obviously going to be some, uh, as um, uh, Jeff Zrebeck put it, some roster gymnastics over the next 24 to 48 hours. And as some guys go on IR, some of these vested veterans will be back. So the initial 53-man roster isn't the 53 guys or the 46 guys are going to be picking from necessarily week one. So I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit on some of the reactions because I think there's a good chance Means is back, and I think Tony Jefferson's back, and quite frankly, I think Brett Urban's probably back too. But they're going to have to maneuver some things around, of course, to do that, and we'll see how that shakes out in the next, you know, couple of days. As you guys mentioned, Hayes was on the uh, waived injured list, so maybe you can qualify that for me. But I that that one surprised me. I I, I anticipated him making the roster. Yes, and again, especially given a position of need, you know, again, we're talking about how thin they are. I mean, basically, we're going in at this point, you're looking at Owe and Houston are really your only, you know, real guys that are, you know, outside linebacker, edge, whatever. I mean, you can do some things with your defensive line. You can, you know, play Campbell at defensive end, depending on your set or whatever. But I guess, you know, Hayes, what, he, he barely played last year. He was he was nicked up most of the year last year. And I guess same thing in camp. So I don't know what that – I can't remember what that injury designation wave is, if he can be – does he go out into the free market? Can we bring him back at some point? Or are we not allowed to bring him back when we use that designation? I get so confused with some uh, of this stuff. And I apologize for not having that research ready, but I cannot remember – how that designation is different we'll, from the other one. We'll get the answer to that and, and add it to the board. Yeah. Uh, just my flipping comment here, I see uh, tight end Tony uh, Poljan was uh, waived. And, you know, if you're the sixth tight end waived on a team that keeps five tight ends, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> something of note there. Right. Uh, uh, five tight ends? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a tight end happy guy, but – Five feels like a, a little bit much. Yeah, I was stunned to see them keep Oliver. I wasn't surprised. I thought they were going to keep Kohler because they're going to IR him, of course, because he's still recovering from the sports hernia. And he was one of the guys that they could, you know, stash so they could bring back a vested veteran. That wasn't a surprise at all. But I did not understand the other move that maybe they think there's a trade in the offing. And that could also be the glut of offensive linemen. Maybe they think they're going to have an ability to trade one of those guys. You know, as opposed to just putting them out on the street, I don't know. Well, Mike, what, you know, staying on the offensive linemen and the glut there, they they did carry eleven offensive linemen. Uh, what were you counting on going in? You know, in your projections, did you have it at nine, ten? A little surprised to see eleven. I am surprised to see eleven. I, I I had it at nine. I thought that was uh, a little high. I mean now. Again, given where this team is, uh, I think we, you know, generally teams, I think, are closer to eight. Uh, but the Ravens, nine, that extra guy, just to make sure, I thought, okay, it's a little much, it seems like, but it'll fit. Eleven is a lot, no matter how we, no matter how you slice it. Uh, Linderbaum, I think, is an interesting 
part of the equation because obviously he's going to be going to play very well. He's going to be a starter and all that. Um, but it's interesting that he is kind of, I want to be careful how I say this. I think he's one of the uh, more, most dependable players on the line as a rookie. And I know Morgan Moses is good and I, and Zeitler is very, very good. And after that, like, who do you look at as, okay, I can have confidence in now. I mean, of course, Ronnie Stanley is the elephant in the room, you know, uh, figuratively speaking, but I think there's so much indecision where they like, look, we, it all goes back to Lamar. We need to protect him at all costs. And it, and if it costs, you know, cutting a guy from another position where maybe we'd have in other years would have liked to have him. We need to make sure with beyond a shadow of a doubt, we protect him. So, and that's the end point. I, I guess I'm not so surprised, but. Um, well, let, let's stick there, yeah. Mike. You mentioned Stanley. So uh, can the Ravens win the AFC North and hopefully more if Stanley isn't a regular starter and at a Pro Bowl caliber, uh, uh, you know, level at left tackle? They, they definitely can. They have, you know, in a way, last year, you know, now stay with me. I think in a way it was a blessing that he wasn't there because it forced everyone else to grow up real quick, especially along the offensive line. And they were, Greg Roman had a long season of, you know, play calling, factoring in that loss. So they know how to do it. Uh, beyond that, I can't make any guarantees, but. I think they're in good enough shape to do that. Uh, but, of course, their goal is much higher. So that's where, um, you know, if he can return to true form, maybe not all pro form, but I can just really just consistent starter. I think that's plenty good to take them where they want to go. Jamie, uh, I'm a little surprised at keeping 11 linemen, but I am somebody that believes that teams are built from the lines out. And if they're not – totally confident about Stanley and I think it just has a complete uh, impact the rest of their line then I can get on board with the idea of uh, of loading up your depth and it gives you additional options and you can kind of figure it out but kind of where are you with not just keeping 11 but with Stanley you know are you kind of like me I'm just kind of keying on him as just uh <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it really, everything kind of, you know, I'm not going to say everything revolves around him, but a whole lot revolves around him. Well, I mean, look, any any offense is a better offense when you can put a guy at left tackle and not have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about chipping. You don't have to worry about helping him when you can have the left side locked down and then have a guy who's athletic like Stanley. He's, you know, he's um, at his peak. He's probably. 85% of what Jonathan Ogden was, and that's high praise because Jonathan Ogden is one of the best, you know, left tackles probably ever to play the game. Um, I will say this. They're already ahead of the – if Stanley can't go early on or he misses some time, they're already ahead of the game because Alejandro Villanueva is not their left tackle. And, you know, uh, thank him for his service and all that jazz, and he was good when he was with the Steelers, but – he, it was tough to watch him at left tackle. He just – it was not pretty. So, Chris, you, you made a good point when you said, like, they want to have options. And I think that's what they're doing. Um, the move last year towards the end of the year to extend Patrick McCarry to have him as that, that Swiss Army knife, that proverbial sixth man along the offensive line, 
knowing that it's not ideal to have him as your starting left tackle, but he's capable. Then you had Jawan James, who you signed last year, knowing he wasn't going to play. And then this year they've been working him at left tackle throughout the offseason to see if he can be a viable option as well. So with that in mind, you're preparing for the worst, but you're hoping for the best. And it's kind of an odd situation with Stanley. It almost feels like, and I haven't heard these words come out of Harbaugh's mouth yet, but it's kind of like, well, physically you seem fine, buddy. So whenever, when are you going to get out there? That's almost what it seems like. I mean, you pass the conditioning test. They didn't put him on the pup. I, I mean, unless they decide to IR him all of a sudden, and maybe that's why they kept 11 offensive linemen. I mean, I guess that's possible. So that way, because what IR designated to return is you only have to miss three games, whereas Pup, you have to miss four, correct? That in that the mm-hmm. distinction. So yep. maybe that could be in play and we're not realizing it. But if he passes conditioning test, how do you put him on IR procedurally? I don't, I don't know those rules. But it definitely seems like there's some weirdness going on with where Stanley is. Like maybe physically he's better, but now he needs to get in game shape. And – well, then I think that might lead into a little bit of another thing we wanted to talk about. I don't know if you still want to talk about lack of reps in the preseason. Would you mind if I transition? Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, let's, it, let's get, it, get into that. And you can really basically, you know, since uh, the starters didn't play a whole lot, <laughs> where, where are we for that? Yeah, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, you always risk injury with guys playing in the preseason. You just never know. We saw it last year with, you know, with Dobbins going down when he was just – poised to you know be have a breakout year but you have like Sean McVay in out in LA that doesn't play starters at all and they seem to do fine I'm I'm okay with the likes of like Mark Andrews and and Rashad Bateman and Calais Campbell they don't need to necessarily play in the preseason but at the same time there is especially for the injured guys there is going through rehab and, and doing individual drills. But in those things, you may not realize it, but you're still guarding the injury a little bit. It's not the same as going game speed, even preseason game speed. So the first game action some of these injured guys are going to see is week one. And that, you know, hopefully it's, it's, you know, it works out. But it's a difficult balance to strike, and I think Harbaugh did as good of a job as he could, and I think he took away from last year. He's got to be judicious with the starters in the preseason just because you never know. So um, I kind of gave a non-answer answer because, let's put it this way, I'm glad, no, I think you're not, I'm, glad I'm not a head coach because <laughs> it's a tough call to make. I think your non-answer answer is the correct answer, Mike. I mean, it, it, it's, a del- it's a delicate balance, and uh, the biggest thing I think – for any coach organization is that you want the guys available when the lights actually go on and not, not in the preseason, but maybe early on, we see them be a little, um, not completely up to speed, maybe a little rust to shake off. What are you thinking? I come back to what is the one question? What is it going to help if you play player X in the preseason? So generally, you know, it's for getting guys, either the veterans up to speed or evaluating kind of your younger guys or veterans that are new to your team. Well, the guys that we saw that were not playing, uh, I I kind of set Bateman in a, in a separate category because they obviously know him a little, but 
they don't know a ton. I mean, it's not a huge sample size he's given so far. Um, you know, on the game, obviously, in the, on the field, obviously, off the field in meetings and stuff, they have a better feel for him. But overall, I don't mind it. I think it's probably the right decision. It's a little inconvenient for fans, especially ones that buy the preseason tickets and they have to watch guys that maybe they're not familiar with. Uh, but I mean, again, I keep going back to, and you know, as a coach, I, I can uh, empathize with Harbaugh and his staff where it may not be convenient. It may not be popular, but it's what's right for the team. And your goal is to go one and oh every week and give yourself the best chance to do that. So the best chance to do that is with a healthy team against the Jets. And if that doesn't, if your personnel decision on a pregame game day doesn't fit that, then don't play them. And that's where I come out. Well, I I agree if you, I I think 95% of the the way, my small quibble would be if without the game reps, you know, um, perhaps they're a little bit sluggish and that perhaps you allow a team like the Jets that and we're going to finish for that commentary on them in a second, but a game that you anticipate winning, maybe it becomes a little bit more of a slug that, that, than you thought. But on the other hand, uh, hey, last week was week O. This week is week one for college. They didn't have any preseason games and, uh, and we're out there, right? And these guys are professionals and they've had, uh, they've had a month of camp. So should be should be ready to go when the lights come on. You're you're pros. Let's let's get it going. Uh, so before we uh, get into the uh, wrap up of early thoughts on the Jets, uh, your guys' thoughts. So what does the fan base have wrong, in your opinion, going into this year? And Jamie, I'll let you uh, start here. Um, I think the uh, the concern about the passing game and the the consternation over the receiver core in general, I think it's being a bit overblown. Mm. Um, I think people lose sight of the fact that this offense is built differently, as we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. That's the way the, the, the franchise has decided to build this thing. It's not, it's not going to be a Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, slinging around the yard kind of offense. So you don't need to build the team that way. With that said, the passing game can still be quite productive. And all it really has to be is complementary to the running game and be able to make plays when they need to make plays. And I think that when fans look at the wide receiving core, they can't separate out what the Ravens have built at tight end. Again, we have in my opinion, the best, but let's just say top three tight end in the league in Andrews. We look like we found an absolute stud in Isaiah Likely. Um, Charlie Kohler's story is yet to be written because he's been injured, but then and you've also got Nick Boyle who can, you know, not only pave the road in the running game, but he can be an option to, you know, have two or three targets a game and make a play, make a sneaky play here or there. That's all part of the passing game. It's not just about the wide receivers. And I think, you know, people tend to fall in love with names and you want a recognizable, you know, big play wide receiver. But the Ravens may very well have that in Rashad Bateman. I think he got a little lost last year because of starting out the year hurt and then playing most of his games with Tyler Huntley, a quarterback. 
and no offense to Tyler Huntley, but he was taken. It was a lot of underneath stuff, and he didn't have an ability to really work the way that that Bateman can, at least from his college film, from you know route running and being precise and going up and getting footballs, and he can get down the field. And I think with having a season with a full healthy season with Lamar Jackson under center, Rashad Bateman's got a chance to be a star. And I think when you combine that with the tight ends, I, I think that there's a lot less to worry about than people believe. But that can be me being an optimist. Mike, critique the fan base. What do they have wrong going into the year? I think they're putting too much stock in Tyler Huntley from the standpoint that if Lamar gets hurt again or the contract situation for whatever unforeseen reason doesn't work out, the Ravens will be just fine. Um I've never met Tyler Huntley. I'm sure he's a great person. I am a huge fan of his, but kind of what Jamie was alluding to last year was um, a freak year. And it, could Tyler Huntley be the next guy for this franchise if for whatever reason Lamar uh, doesn't work out? Can't even believe I have to say this. <laughs> but uh, some people have suggested, well, Lamar wants – 45 or more million or if yeah, wants X right. guaranteed money. It's like, Oh, I let him go. And yeah, I like, I like Huntley does. too. He's not Lamar Jackson. Right. I, it shouldn't have to be said. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to be out there with the argument of that, you'd rather have Huntley and you think he has a chance to be a lower third average starting quarterback and not paying Jackson salary. I'll at least, Listen to that, but I think Huntley is a backup quarterback. Uh, I th- I think what was shown last year was after a few games, the lack of arm strength was an issue. Uh, and I like him as somebody that can come in and be Jackson light if needed and help maybe a week or two or plays if are necessary. But if you have to rely on him as a long-term starter, that is going to be a problem. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I think the kid, I think the kid Brown that they, they cut, hopefully they get him back on the practice squad because he looks like he's got a little bit of an arm. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I agree with that. All right, we're going to wrap it up with uh, this. Obviously next week we'll take a deeper dive into uh, week one in the jets, but let's get some initial thoughts of facing Flacco and company Mike. Uh, this first, my first thought is that it's going to be fun, and uh, I can't just football's back, and it's going to be very interesting to see um, if he's still got it to to watch him again, you know, intently as opposed to just highlights. Uh, he's has some weapons now, you know, he has some some receivers. Brees Hall sounds like he's going to be a strong back at some point in the league. Um, so that's going to be interesting on the on the defensive part uh, side of the ball. Excuse me. Obviously, Flacco doesn't play there, but the Ravens are going to have a tough test up front, and especially with kind of the uh, the uh, the running back situation being less than stable. Let's say uh, Lamar may be forced to go and make plays much sooner, just him, than he plans on. So. I tell you what, I think the last time I saw the line the other day it was about six and a half, and like you said, Chris, we'll get more into that. And we have a kind of feature rolling out soon about uh, Vegas odds and stuff like that for this season. We're excited about But Six and a half points, I think, might be a lot for this game. It's on the road, and you just never know. And like I always say, teams in the first week 
it's a very it's a very unique situation because they have weeks to prepare as opposed to maybe two or three days during the season. So if the Jets are ever going to get the Ravens, you know, week one's going to be the time. I don't think they will, just for the record. I'm not crazy. But it'll be interesting. You know, a lot of times when everything is kind of going one way, it regresses back to the mean and then it ends up being a coin flip. Um, that's why we thank goodness we have Justin Tucker. But no, uh, end of the day, I think it's going to be solid seven to 10 point victory. The Ravens may have to get a field goal to seal it late, but um, it's going to be really cool to see Joe back. And I hope he retires as a Raven one day. Yep. I agree with, with that. I also bought the last two years. I think Joe played all of one game last year. And then the year before he, he had about four or five starts uh, in 20, he had one really nice game. And then the game that he played all of last year, he had one, Pretty solid game. Uh, I don't think Joe could make it through a full season, but you wouldn't surprise me if he had one good game in him. Uh, and if it was going to happen, it would probably be week one. <laughs> and uh, uh, might have uh, a little motivation in, in this game. So wouldn't be surprised if this is a game but, uh, that's a game into the fourth quarter. But beyond Flacco, Jamie, just uh, early thoughts, either, you know, um, on this matchup? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Mike uh, said it. The, the, the line is still, you know, the Ravens are, are laying six and a half on the road. But, you know, I want to echo a little another thing that Mike said. It's not only is it week one, but it's on the road, in, which is always a tough thing to do in the NFL, even against what you believe to be is a subpar opponent on paper. Weird things happen week one, and weird things can happen on the road. Um with that said, it looks like, you know, the, the Jets are, are in the process of turning over their roster. You know, this was a, a former, uh, you know, uh, Baltimore uh, scouting department man, Joe Douglas, is his first draft. So they're trying to, you know, kind of rebuild this thing and give Robert Salas some pieces to work with. Um, there's definitely some young talent there. Of course, they uh, they got the uh, kid Gardner cornerback, and he's going to be starting. So they, he's going to be looking to be aggressive and make a play. But um, ultimately, and not to invoke Joe again, even though he can still spin it, he'll, he'll put the ball in harm's way, as we saw him do, do uh, from time to time throughout his uh, decade here. I think uh, Marcus Peters is going to have a welcome back party and get one. Um, but again, we'll take a deeper dive next week. But yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. I, I, would, I would enjoy that. Yeah, but on paper, this uh, looks like one the Ravens should get. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll, we'll look at it a little more as we move in once we see the rosters taking shape a little bit more. Well, it feels like a game where uh, Twitterverse could just uh, uh, just explode mm-hmm. between uh, Joe Flacco elite discussion and uh, mm-hmm. anything Lamar Jackson uh, evaluation of every single play of his. Mm-hmm. So uh, look forward to that. That'll be fun. All right. Next week we get into it. Uh, actual further discussion of actual gameplay. Looking forward to that. Uh, been a long off season. Thanks for uh, following us. 53 man roster set. Probably be some changes in the next day or two. Join the board, Baltimore Sports and Life. Catch up with the latest articles from Jamie and Mike, and we'll be back next week. Take care.